Success Movie Rewind. We're looking at movies through a personal development lens, seeing what we can learn. Here's your host, Alex Stevens. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Success Movie Rewind. I'm your host, Alex Stevens. We've got a great one for you this week, folks. We're talking The Black Panther. 2018, Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you, if you were paying attention at the time you remember, this was a cultural phenomenon. Uh, it really, to me, really did show representation does matter. I was in the, I saw this the weekend it came out and it's obviously, or maybe not obviously, but as a reminder, the first Marvel Cinematic Universe movie directed by a black person starring a black person as the title character. That was a big deal. It wasn't just marketing hype or anything like that. I was at least I'm I I rely a lot on my personal experience to draw conclusions. And the theater I was in was going wild and I had a client emergency going on and so I was stepping out in the lobby a lot and it was buzzing. People were taking pictures in front of the sign. Definitely like putting them on social media and stuff. You don't really see that. Maybe that's because we're in post-COVID now. But I'm just saying, even at the time, that was unique. It was pretty, people were pretty pumped. And so I just think it's awesome that that, I don't know, it's like that is all really a cool part of the story. And I love that the filmmakers like gave us a story worthy of that moment. It's it's an unbelievable story. Many people think it's the best Marvel movie. I think it might be. I, I don't know. It's certainly one of my favorites. But even if you're not inclined to watch superhero movies, uh, if you're inclined to thinking about the world today, stick around because we're going to have a great discussion. So as usual, we've got three takeaways from the movie to kind of structure our movie, our discussion. The movie's been out for a while, like I said, since 2018. So we are basically going to spoil it. Again, I suspect if you care, you've seen it already. And if not, we want to make sure this is an inclusive discussion. So let's get right to our first point. I picked it because it helps us sort of break into the, the backstory of the movie and to set the stage uh, of what this movie's all about. So the movie is about the title character, the Black Panther, who is like a an African James Bond kind of super spy, but also he's a superhero because he has like mystical powers from some plants. And also he gets to wear the Black Panther suit, which has like the best technology because it's powered by vibranium. So he like basically looks like a dude Catwoman, but he has like superhero powers like more than Catwoman. You know what I mean? Like he he has like super strength. He's fast, all that stuff. Plus the technology shields him. Yeah, it's cool. It's like Iron Man kind of stuff. Uh, so he's a cool character. And it, the movie explains that you don't really know about Wakanda. They haven't been a power despite having vibranium because they're chilling out. They're not in the public eye. The world in the Marvel Cinematic Universe knows that Wakanda exists, but it thinks that Wakanda is a nation of subsistence farmers. And the movie very early on uh, you know, uses a 
kind of a storybook approach, a father telling a story to a son, which is very important thematically for the movie, to explain why this is, and in doing so, explain Wakanda's backstory and also pose uh, one of the most important thematic questions for the movie, which is what do you do with your power? Do you have an obligation to share it? How do you wield it in the world? How do you become who you're meant to be, your full self, and uh, deal with that relationally? But before we get to all that, let's listen to our clip. So here we go. The Wakandans used vibranium to develop technology more advanced than any other nation. But as Wakanda thrived, the world around it descended further into chaos. To keep vibranium safe, the Wakandans vowed to hide in plain sight, keeping the truth of their power from the outside world. And we still hide, Baba? Yes. Why? Why? Why would we hide? Why hide their power? And the movie explains it's really fear in a lot of ways. It's fear of what would happen if you exposed your true power. And at the beginning of the movie, Wakanda is kind of trying to have it both ways. They're trying to be in the world, but not of it, so to speak, you know, uh, but they're, they're really both. And you really, you, if you're participating in a system, it's going to affect you. And this movie does a great job of dealing with the fallout of that. But that's no excuse to not fully exercise your power, whether that's on your own behalf or eventually on behalf of others, because other people do need you. We are a cooperative social species. I do believe almost everybody has some sort of inner drive to relate. I don't mean everybody wants to, you know, become a, a Walmart greeter just so they can talk to 10,000 people a day. But we all have something we want to get out in the world we, that we want other people to know about us or see about us or a perspective we want to share. Or maybe we just want to care about the people that we care about. Either way, your life, in order to live it to the best of your abilities, which is another way of saying to your full satisfaction or the closest you can come to it. There's, there's no peace in hiding from who you are. There's, there's only temporary respite in hiding your powers. And I say that as someone who has often felt like there's, there's no incentive to putting in the effort to make things better in a certain context, like a manager who doesn't like your ideas or who's going to reject them and then maybe steal them later and then blame you for anything that goes wrong or something like that, where you're like, you know what? They don't deserve it. It's not always as noble as the Wakandans, but that's a signal that you've got to work out a new kind of life. Uh, you can't just be like, and that's my life indefinitely, is I will just think about how things could be better if only I used my power and then bemoaned the structural fact that I can't do it. I'm not saying structural problems don't exist, but I'm saying those are signs for you to make moves, the moves that you can, so that you can more fully use your power. Because seriously, you need it, the world needs it. The people in your life need it. If you're not, if you're working hard to keep that truth from yourself and from the world, even if you had your reasons at the beginning, once you know it's time to not hide anymore, there's something that pulls to you or maybe somebody's encouraging you or showing interest in parts of you that you thought people weren't interested in. Don't shy from that. Lean into that because the world wants the best of you. 
And that can be scary and it can be hard to believe because the best of you is you. And it, it only looks like other people. It doesn't, it's not other people, it's you. And so you're always going to have to step a little bit off what, even no matter how tight you think your path is, you're, you're, to be your full self, you've got to be your version of it. And that's scary. And you can feel like just maybe in the age of heroes that was possible, but we live in 2022. But you can't do that forever. You've got to find a way. And the good news is once you start taking that steps, your greater self will reward you and you will start building momentum. And it doesn't have to be you take out a billboard or you put yourself practicing whatever it is you want to do on TikTok every day or whatever if you don't feel ready. But I'm saying identifying those steps, working to carve out space in your life so that you can become your best self and put it to work, whether or not your current job or circumstances or home life or whatever it is, whether or not they see the full you or whether or not they even encourage it. I'm encouraging you. There are people that need it. Go work on yourself. Develop that thing that you think you're the best at. Even if you know you're not the best at it yet, and maybe you'll never be the Michael Jordan, be the Michael Jordan of you. Don't hide your power indefinitely. All right. I promise I will bring this back to Wakanda, but I wanted to get that out of the way early, and we, we had to set the stage for Wakanda's backstory. And there's also just so much to talk about that I just want to get right to our next clip. So continuing in our, this is not a spoiler-free discussion of Black Panther. Go see it if you're inclined. If not, Keep listening. It's a good story. And we're, we're giving you the broad strokes. Maybe you can watch it. I actually find it sometimes if, if you, I know people say, who say they don't want to know anything about a movie, uh, including even what's it about. If they're intrigued at all, stop, go see it. I know other people who are like, I kind of like to know what it's about before I see it. That way I don't have to think too much about the plot. I kind of feel that way sometimes. Uh, so I, I do like when somebody, somebody, sent me a message after the Devil Wears Prada episode and said they're going to watch the movie after listening to the podcast. And that warmed my heart. That's, you know, I couldn't hide the power of inspiring people to watch Devil Wears Prada forever. And I'm glad that I didn't because that's awesome. So maybe we can do that with Black Panther too. Because even if you don't like superhero movies, the villain of this movie is so cool. He's iconic already. Instant classic role. And spoiler alert, I don't know that we're going to see him again uh, because he lives up to his name, Killmonger. That's like his nickname, Eric Stevens. So I'm inclined to like him as, you know, obviously, I don't remember the phenomenon where you like people who sound like you, but obviously Stevens is, I'm going to feel an affinity there. But even if I didn't, uh, Killmonger is such a cool villain. And the reason he's cool is he's like got such a tragic backstory that he all makes sense. Like a lot, there was a lot of discussion, you know, I think still is online when this movie came out about like Killmonger was right. You know, he's kind of like a Magneto where it's like the villain is angry, but for a very good reason. And you find yourself sympathizing with him like you do with all great villains. So the backstory of Killmonger and how he comes, he eventually challenges T'Challa for the throne of Wakanda, is that his dad was uh, King T'Chaka's brother, so Black Panther's dad, who was king before. So in the 90s, King T'Chaka's brother was a spy for Wakanda, and he, he was, his placement was undercover in Oakland, California. 
And in seeing the way black people were treated in California in the 90s, he was like, yo, this is not right. And eventually he was breaking the Wakandan isolation policy. And he was starting to participate in some criminal activities, but with the goal of liberation. And eventually another spy who was with him, who was like a double agent, okay? So he's like, he... The king's brother thought this dude was just the dude from Oakland. And so he just thinks he's like his boy, like just a criminal. And when King T'Chaka comes to confront his brother to be like, why are you doing this? He's like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And he's like, I know you're doing it because uh, th this guy's a spy too, you know? And it's like, he's a double spy. So and he, the, the Wakandans all have like a cool glowing tattoo on the inside of their lip that confirms their citizenship of Wakanda and he busted out. It's a cool moment. And uh, so he's like, oh man, you know, they have like a scuffle and in the scuffle, King T'Chaka kills his own brother. And what do you do with that, man? That's, that's Cain and Abel. That's, that's just like the fundamental sin. You're your brother's keeper. What happens? What do they do? That brings us to our next clip. So Killmonger, Eric Stevens is the son of the king's murdered brother. So he is coming back to take his birthright and he confronts T'Challa in the throne room as this orphan who was orphaned by T'Challa's father. A very powerful moment. The whole scene is cool. We, got, we couldn't clip the whole thing. So at, at this part, the, the double spy who is now an old man played by Forrest Whitaker is explaining this backstory and why they did what they did to Prince T'Challa. Your father killed his own brother to save my life. And the child we left him. We had to maintain the lie. That brings me to our second point from Black Panther, which is that the truth has no maintenance fees, all right? And I almost like, uh, I was going to go the other way, but I like to focus on the positive, what you stand for, which is the truth, rather than focusing on lies. But the corollary of this is you can't afford the lies of the, uh, the maintenance fees of lies. You really can't. You can't. Dishonesty has compounding maintenance fees because every day if you are maintaining a lie you are telling new lies every day you are having to think how do i make people think that the world is different from the way it is how do i keep this charade up no way to live man and that's why you can't hide your power forever because you're presenting yourself as someone who's less powerful than you are and you'll drive yourself crazy because people will treat you that way you know, people take you at your estimation. Uh, that's why confidence goes such a long way. But anyway, my point is the, the truth is the only thing that just, it just is. 
you know? So you never have to think about what did I say? What did I do? What do I need to do today? Because I've been lying since 10 years ago when I started covering up whatever it is I'm still covering up. And maybe you didn't kill your brother because he was going against your country's isolationist policy. Maybe you don't even remember because it's a more ambiguous lie. Maybe it's a lie that you're happy living the way that you are or that you like the way someone treats you and you put up with it when you really wish they would change, whatever it is. Or you know the way you treat people needs to change. It could go either way. The point is, it's not just, you know, these movies dramatize these conflicts with these stark dilemmas to let us explore these more ambiguous problems. And if you find yourself saying we have to maintain the lie, and you usually won't be calling it the lie, but usually it'll come in the form of like, well, look, we all know our story is this, and we need to stick with that at this point or something like that. No, not if it turns out that it's not true. Uh, at some point, you've got to stop paying those maintenance fees on, on dishonesty uh, because you can't afford them. They will come back to get you and they'll come in the form of Killmonger, man. Uh, they, your shadow will come back if you don't deal with it. That, that will happen. Don't pay the maintenance fees. You're going to need your power and energy to do something else. You want the truth on your side. When you decide to maintain a lie, you are deciding to fight against the truth. Use the power of the truth. Use the truth within you to tell the truth and to make the world a more truthful pace rather than maintaining that lie. All right, let's take a quick break real quick. All right, so let's just get right to it. Uh, we're still in the throne room. And for our third clip, I'm just going to lead off with it and then I'll explain what I mean. But I want you to think about this. You've got to see the people behind the symbols, okay? See the people behind the symbols. All right, so let's get to our third clip. We're talking about Killmonger uh, confronting T'Challa, and he's explaining what he wants, and he's explaining why he's gone through all this death and killing. So basically, as an orphan, Killmonger, sorry, I don't think I actually said this. I just assumed that the name Killmonger would communicate how much of a, a bad dude this is. But he went uh, from an orphan, joined the army, but also is like, he's like evil Tony Stark. He's got, he's like really smart, but he also like joined special forces. He's fought in every war and he scars himself. He gives like a little scar each time he kills someone. And you first only see it on his arm and you're like, whoa, that's a lot of kills. And then he takes off his shirt before the big fight and it's like, his whole torso is scarred. And you're like, whoa, that's so many more. And it's like, you know, it's cool. Uh, also, he's super jacked, uh, which is inspiring by itself. Um, so you, you end up with this cool, like, face-to-face -face confrontation. And every, they conveniently explain their motives in ways that are pretty interesting. So let's listen to it. Only reason I don't kill you where you stand is because I know who you are. What do you want? I want the throne. <laughs> hey, you, the tuna. <laughs> Y'all sitting up here comfortable. Must feel good. It's about two billion people all over the world that looks like us. But their lives are a lot harder. Wakanda has the tools to liberate them all. And what tools are those? Vibranium. Your weapons. We really see Killmonger 
uh, presenting an interesting dilemma here because he's the product of death, right? And he's the product of lies and he's taken that all on because often the maintenance fees, you know, the costs of dishonesty or the costs of the wrong decisions, they're never born right away by the powerful. They're the people who made the decisions. They, that's why they made them. Children often are, or the weaker people in society often are the people who bear the brunt of these decisions. And if whatever you've suffered from, there's a temptation, I think, to be like, I hate this game so much, and I hate the players so much that I want to become the best at it, and then I will change it. And that's tempting, but it doesn't work like that because the game changes you, you know? You can't get to the top without becoming the kind of person who gets to the top. And if you're waiting until then to make your changes, you're not going to really pull it off. You're just going to perpetuate the status quo that you thought motivated you in the first place to change. And we see that with Killmonger where he just wants to do death his way and he wants to change who gets killed and who does the killing, but he still wants to be, to engage in violence because that's all he knows. And uh, Prince T'Challa or King T'Challa has his own journey to go on about when you engage in the world and when you don't and his own space, uh, partially as a result of his confrontation with Killmonger uh, to move away from his father's isolationism and his father's personal responsibility for killing Killmonger's father. And the reason I think that T'Challa is a more compelling hero than Killmonger in the end is that rather than stick to the symbolic, he lives in the real world and remembers that Wakanda, the throne... And the violence it symbolizes to Killmonger. And I think that's so important. That's what I mean, the people behind the symbols. I don't just mean like a flag of Wakanda or, uh, you know, like a logo on a T-shirt or anything like that. Whatever you're using as a symbol to yourself, and it can be other people, you, you've got to see that there are actual people there. So for Killmonger, it's the throne, right? He wants the throne because it represents power to do to others what was done to him and to protect himself and people he cares about. But really, he wants to be the powerful one. For him, that represents being safe. And that's why this clip is so good. It, it really drives that home when he says, it must feel good to sit up here comfortable. It, that must feel good. That's why he wants it. And he's wrong. It's as simple as that. Uh, when you think something will make you feel good once you get it, that's the part of your brain that is motivating you to go do a thing by telling you that the way you feel will change when you get it. And it will temporarily, but if you're not making actual lifestyle changes along the way, that symbol is going to be hollow. It's always to me about what it actually means in terms of who you are and how you relate to the world around you and the people in it. That's what I mean by the people behind the symbols. So for Killmonger, his symbol of, of the throne and the violence it accompanies should have triggered bells for him that there are people behind this that are going to be hurt. But really, he just wanted that power so badly. He was chasing that symbol and he really became the symbol. I mean, he's, a, he's embodied scar tissue uh, as a result of violence. 
And he's an embodiment of the fact that every time you engage in violence, you hurt yourself. And he needs redemption as well. And the movie does it. It's such an interesting juxtaposition uh, from the regular Marvel villains where you're, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's never as real, but it's such a, his death scene. I don't want to go too far into detail with it, but it's good. It's beautiful. And um, he ends by saying like, basically, look at this kid from Oakland still believing in fairy tales because Wakanda is so beautiful, like watching the sunset as he dies. And I was just sitting there like, I mean, obviously, okay, so this movie's directed by Ryan Coogler, who is a kid from Oakland, I think, or was, uh, who clearly, you know, he made the movie Fruitvale Station about with Michael B. Jordan, the actor who plays Killmonger, about police violence in California. Like, this is not a guy who, quote unquote, believes in fairy tales like that, like in the sense that, like, doesn't understand that the world exists as it is. But also in another way, I mean, clearly the guy's making Marvel movies, so he does believe in fairy tales in some way. And I found this so interesting because in watching these movies, the Marvel movies have a really interesting relationship with like power and history and America's place in the world and government and bureaucracy and it's really interesting how they explored it first through Agent Coulson of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the original Marvel movies. And now with uh, the CIA agent who like helps Wakanda, who is literally Bilbo Baggins. It's the actor who plays the Hobbit. Um, and it's like the CIA has not always been, you know, in the interest of Wakandans. And there, there's a whole plot line where, you know, of how the CIA agent gets mixed up with him. But basically, okay, to set the stage, this guy in Captain America Civil War, the CIA agent, the way the movie ends or one of the credit scenes, I think, I think, excuse me, is him sitting down with a villain in the movie and basically like gleefully being like, I'm about to torture you. It's kind of weird to watch it now because you're supposed to, I think, as the audience be like, yeah, uh, but it's like, uh, uh, at least to me. And in the movie, he just, I think, has a spontaneous like reaction to sac you know, jump in front of a bullet, basically, for a Wakandan. So they're kind of like, we've got to help him, even though he's a white boy colonizer, you know? And that, their word's not mine. Uh, and so it's interesting, like, I don't know. I don't want to press on the point too hard. There's a, a cool book called How to Read Donald Duck that was written in the 70s. Uh, in Chile. And to be fair, it was, so this is what I'm talking about. It was written during the very brief window of like democratic socialism. Uh, look, I'm not political, but I don't like killing people. Okay. I'm not a socialist. I don't want to alienate people by, you know, saying that this was a, a good era. I'm just saying it seems to have been better than what came next because we have this guy, Salvador Allende, uh, in charge of Chile. That's when this book, How to Read Donald Duck, got written. And then right afterwards, uh, the U.S. supported the dictator Pinochet, who like killed a bunch of people. So they kind of had a point. But what I'm getting at is, so, okay, this book, How to Read Donald Duck, uh, is basically a diatribe against Disney, at least in the 70s. And so it's these Chilean guys and they're like, 
Basically, Disney is not just a reflection of uh, the prevailing ideology of capitalism, but it's also aware of it. And Disney is an active agent in spreading capitalism. And the authors were like, it's kind of funny because it's like, did you guys just like Batman more? You know what I mean? Because the Batman I just saw a couple of weeks ago definitely gets at kind of the same point where they're like, Bruce Wayne versus Batman. Is he part of the power structure or fighting it? Blah, blah, blah. But they're basically like Bruce Wayne and Batman is much better because that division is like, not possible outside of the world. So you're like fantasizing about a way to save the world that lets you do something more positive. Whereas Disney is really pernicious because it, it uses like the everyday world. And then it takes like an, an imaginative childlike quality to slip in the status quo and kind of support the way things should be. And look, that's not how I read Donald Duck. And it's like, it's funny because Disney doesn't own Batman now, but they do own superheroes now. So that point kind of goes away. But here's why I really wanted to talk about it this week. Again, like this isn't really my book, although I do think the CIA had something to do with Pinochet coming in power. So it's like, and then they, they started throwing people out of helicopters. So it, they kind of do have a point there. So it's really interesting. I'm sitting there like watching this Disney movie with a CIA agent, thinking about how to read Donald Duck, and then reading more about that book because it's been a minute since I looked into it. But uh, one of the points, I just loved this, uh, the irony. One of the points that they make in How to Read Donald Duck is the movie is is it like destroys the good things about real world family structures and tries to replace them with, I guess, capitalism. I'm not really sure, but the authors are like, notice how there's no fathers and sons in all these Disney movies. Like Donald Duck has his nephews, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of nephews and uncles and aunts and nieces, step parents, but no fathers and sons. And I don't really get what they were fully saying at, except, you know, fathers and sons are a part of life and we should tell stories about them as well as other relationships. But to the point, I think that they were saying like it's not fully real. There's like an absence that this kind of third thing authority can come in, you know, like uh, I guess the, the Disney ideology replaces the father maybe. But it's so interesting because then you watch Black Panther, you know, and it's like 40 years later and Ryan Coogler, the kid from Oakland, still believing in fairy tales, maybe, maybe not, has, you know, like not only made this beautiful movie, but it is definitely soundly defeating the thesis of how to read Donald Duck, at least in that particular, because it is absolutely a father and son movie, like from start to finish. And so I was like, I mean, obviously I don't think there's a memo in Disney from the seventies being like, don't tell father and son tales. But I thought it was just such an interesting example of like, even if things seem bad or if it seems like you should just hide your power away from the world, you can participate in the world and make it a better place. And even if people say this, things have to be one way, you can change things. So I don't want to suggest, you know, I said like Killmonger tried to win the game that he hated. He should have tried to exit it. There's a temptation to try to stay pure. And I wonder what Ryan Coogler went through. I mean, I'd try to get the bag and he definitely did. This is the highest grossing film by a black director of all time. Um, but it's like also a film that you can easily see how five years, 10 years from now, 
if we're still canceling people over their art, people could try to be like, this movie definitely is all about like kind of sympathizing and whitewashing the CIA and their terrible crimes against the press people via this likable hobbit. And it's like, yeah, that is interesting. You know what I mean? Uh, and there, I think maybe there's a point there. It's not for me to tell Ryan Coogler the balance, but I think to the larger point, like, I don't know, you think about like the CIA had a, an ad that was widely shared on social media a few years ago, or maybe last year where a CIA agent was talking about how she had social anxiety and how she was a person of color. And a lot of cynics were like, oh, it's the woke CIA, blah, blah, blah. But I actually think that probably resonated with the CIA. And most people who work at the CIA right now probably aren't overthrowing governments. I mean, I'm sure they have an overthrowing governments department, but there are just thousands of people who just work there. I don't know that they're that evil. You know what I mean? And so just like How to Read Donald Duck was like, there is not a possible world where Disney tells good stories to oppressed communities. And we can t see that because they never talk about the importance of fathers in these communities. Well, guess what? Disney just made a movie by a guy from an oppressed community, explicitly about that community, telling a father-son story. And that happened within that same structure. So it's a balance, you know? I, I, you, you shouldn't try to become what you hate, but nor should you run from the world. And you shouldn't let that, that's what I mean. You shouldn't let these symbols control your life. If Ryan Coogler had said like, ah, I don't do corporate like that, man. Like, I, have you read How to Read Donald Duck? Dude, I won't do that. You know, we wouldn't have Black Panther. We wouldn't, I, I don't even want to start talking about how many people have been inspired by it. Not just the story, but the fact that it was made. And maybe that's true of the CIA too. You know, maybe some CIA agent will overcome her social anxiety and make a difference in American policy in a way that will prevent the next killmonger from, from coming about. You know what I mean? And I mean, obviously these are just stories, but that's what I'm saying. Don't let the CIA, if you're on one side of the aisle, become a symbol of like evil, you know, or the American flag or whatever. I don't like any of this stuff because it's always about the people behind the symbol and how you relate to them. So you got to see the symbol behind it. Oh, and I do, I cut myself off. If you're on the other side, it's easy to let the actual people who hate the CIA or capitalism or whatever, for them to become symbols uh, rather than people and rather than saying, how have these people been let down? What legitimate grievances do they have? did the king of Wakanda kill their father and leave them to just be an orphan to maintain a lie? You know what I mean? You're just like, ah, oh, a bunch of grumblers, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm saying, like, don't let people become symbols. See the people behind the symbols. Uh, I think that's a great moment in the Black Panther. You know, when whenever there's a challenge to the throne, you're not the Black Panther. The power gets stripped. The mystical power goes away. You have to take the suit off and fight as as the person you are. And that's always what we're doing. It's always people. Even if someone's wearing a suit or they're wearing the, the title of CEO or whatever, uh, it's always people. And that also goes if you're wearing the powerful titles, the people you're making decisions with, numbers are symbols. Words on a computer screen are symbols. They are not people. Numbers on a spreadsheet are not people, even if it's a spreadsheet about how many people are going to get laid off or how people are going to get paid. Those are people beyond that. So whether you're looking through the spreadsheet up at the people making them and seeing a power structure keeping you down or looking down at numbers and not seeing the people, 
look beyond those symbols. Thanks for doing that this week. Thanks for pressing play on Success Movie Rewind, looking beyond that title. <laughs> I don't know. But seriously, thanks for, for stopping by this week. As always, we hope you enjoyed it. Sound off in the comments, comments if you have any thoughts you'd like to share. Uh, check out the article version of this podcast on the website if you're interested. And come back next week. We hope you do. Bye. That's a wrap. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.